0: Happy birthday, Mother. I'll use my heat vision to light the candles on your birthday cake. It's that phony Supergirl again. First she tried to ruin my career, (laughs) and now she's trying to take over my parents. Who is the mysterious rival who is taking
1: Supergirl's place in the Danvers home? Why is this adversary tormenting Supergirl? wrecking her career breaking her heart it's a battle of superpowers and super wits when the maid of steel tangles with the enemy supergirl oh, Welcome back, listeners, and we are finally back after a year-long hiatus, and we are very sorry about that. Um, I got sucked into the Phantom Zone for a few months. Also, I've been really busy covering conventions and DC Comics for Women Write About Comics. I am
0: Corey, and with me is my lovely co-host, Jamie. Hello, listeners. Now, a lot of things have changed for us since the last time we cursed the name of Superman.
1: Yeah. I have switched real jobs. Um, I am now working in a customer service location um, rather than in retail, and I am very happy to be out of retail. You can now curse the name of Target as much as you want. I don't hate Target. It's just I'm ready to be done working retail for the rest of my life.
0: <laughs> I feel like everybody's got like four good years of retail in them, and that's they, they should be done. And I did 15. Yikes. I'm coming around to six, and that seems like a nightmare. And
1: I have also moved into a fancy new location. I am recording out of my fancy little office nook. So jealous. I will post pictures on our Twitter of my workspace, because I do love my workspace very much.
0: Now, you don't realize how much a human being needs an office until you have one for the first time. Yes. What have I been doing with my life up until this point? And, uh, some things have changed with you as well, right, Jamie? As for me, I came into contact with the closest thing real life has to surprise kryptonite. Gender dysphoria. Which is less unexpected, but twice as annoying. So now I'm going personally and professionally by the name Jamie L. Marshall and going by female pronouns. And I would like to thank my wonderful co-host Corey here for having long been my closest super queero. And for giving me hope that people like us can thrive in this world. So, thank you for that, Corey. Aw, I do my best. Did you ever know that you're my
1: So today, we have for you Adventure Comics 326 and Action Comics 319 through 322. And let's jump right in to Adventure Comics number 326. The Revolt of the Girl Legionnaires. Cover dated November of 1964, written by Jerry Siegel, uh, drawn by John Forte, with a cover by Kurt Swan. And the cover has the various women of the Legion, uh, Saturn Girl, uh, Light Lass, Duo Damsel, and, and Shrinking Violet, along with Supergirl, with The meanest face I have ever seen (laughs) on Supergirl. Oh, that's a full Kurt Swan Luthor expression she's got. Right. And they are all holding statues of the
0: Legion men and shattering them. Really, that's the most outlandish revenge you could have on somebody, I think. Buying an action figure of them just to destroy it. And flying
1: over the girls is Superboy, who looks terrified because the girls are
0: plotting against all the boys. Wait until the guys in the subreddit hear about this. <laughs> Corey, what horrible sin have these Legionnaires committed? Well, we shall find out. Let's
1: go inside and take a look. The story itself opens with Lightlass using a cellular trim ray to get rid of unwanted extra pounds because... Misogyny was a thing <laughs> in
0: the sixties and also today, but, but, but Cory, this is future misogyny. Zoom, zoom, <laughs> zoom, 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 zoom.
1: Um, and she gets summoned to the superhero clubhouse by Saturn girl. And then we go to the space police academy where triplicate girl and shrinking violet are doing an autograph session. They also get summoned back to headquarters and fly away. And then we cut to two Supergirls, and we find out that Supergirl has been experimenting with chameleon kids, or chameleon boys, pet Prody the (sighs) Second.
0: And that's how you play with Prody the Second. You make creepy duplicates of yourself and stare at them. (laughs) And then we cut to Phantom Girl,
1: who is in class... And gets summoned back to the clubhouse as well. So all of the girls have been summoned back and we find out about Operation Betrayal because that's such a subtle name. <laughs> we find out that Ultra Boy, Monel, El, Sun Boy, Lightning Lad, Colossal Boy, and Matter Eater Lad are coming back to Earth in the spaceship. Uh, but Saturn Girl's about to send them away on a phony mission. Uh, she sends them away to patrol for a month and they don't question it, they just head off, and Saturn Girl says that in a month from now, they will get rid of those members permanently. But for now they will uh take care of the rest of the men. And then after that, we have the house to ourselves, ladies, whoop, whoop! They each choose figures from the shelf, Kara picks chameleon boy, Light last picks Element lad. Phantom Girl picks Starboy, Triplicate Girl takes the Invisible Kid, Brainiac 5, and Cosmic Boy, and Shrinking Violet is going to help her with them, and Saturn Girl takes Superboy. I-, I would like to point out that it's really funny and ironic that Lightlass is taking Element Lad, because Element Lad has long been rumored to be the the gay boy legionnaire, and Lightlass eventually does come out as a lesbian. This is
0: intergalactic bearding, essentially.
1: Essentially, yes. So, Element Lad and Lightlass go on a date to the Avenue of the Planets.
0: Where all the straight
1: people go. I I, I think you read that wrong, Jamie, because it's where all the gay throngs go. <laughs> that That is literally what the caption says. Presently as the Legionnaires mingle among the gay throngs.
0: With Element Lad in particular looking throng. And it turns out
1: that all of the couples, and I put couples in quotes, are on this date. Because we also see Saturn Girl and Superboy. And we see that Invisible Kid is getting sick. We see a weird theatrical show with dancers with flashy tails and horse animal things. They're not quite horses. (laughs) and men jumping out of giant flowers. Good to see that Cirque du Soleil has not
0: changed in 10,000 years.
1: And Lightlass and Element Lad leave to go off on their own, and we get a diabolical thought bubble from Lightlass of, Now that I've lured him to the scene of his approaching downfall, I'll let him overtake me. So they take off their flying belts, and they kiss, and... That's when Lightlass uses her powers to make
0: Element Lad become light as a feather. And let's not overlook the fact that, before she kisses him, Element Lad thinks, I'm out of my element when it comes to romancing girls. I bet you are, buddy. (laughs) As she makes him
1: super light, he starts to float in the air, but then he uses his own power to change
0: his boots into neutronium, the heaviest element. A trick Element Lad has used many times to get away from Amorous Woman. <laughs> but then Lightlass just,
1: just makes the boots super lightweight as well. And she returns back to the clubhouse and uses a bazooka to blow up Element Lad's statue. Uh, a bazooka she just had on hand? Uh, n- No, it looks like it was stashed in the bottom of her own statue because you can <laughs> see a little door open.
0: On oh my the god, bottom I didn't of- notice that! Wait, 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 is, are these just their lockers? Like, is the, Le- is the Legion that thick that they can't remember where their lockers are, so they need statues of themselves to put their shit in? <laughs> and Lightlass just happens to have a bazooka, cause, you know.
1: So we cut over to Shrinking Violet and Triplicate Girl, um, where They are hatching their own plan, which involves a ring that Shrinking Violet is giving to Triplicate Girl. Triplicate Girl uses her power to make herself three women, and each of them goes to one of the boys that she has targeted. Why do I feel
0: like this is a deep-seated fear
1: of seagulls? So they go to an authentic copy of the universe's most romantic spot. (laughs) Um, It has a painting of a woman named Cassandra. Uh, spelled K-I-S-S-A-N-D-R-A.
0: Which just descends amorousness upon the young couple.
1: Yeah, Invisible Kid and Triplicate Girl number one, Kiss. And we cut to a panel with all three triplicate girls giving their their bows a ring so that people know that Triplicate Girl is their one and only. And it turns out that the ring that's, that Shrinking Violet made for all of these boys gives them her shrinking power but no control over it. And they all shrink to tiny little matchstick size. And I say matchstick because that is where they are kept in a book of
0: safety matches. I was really hoping the three of them would just beat the shit out of each other and their little tiny matchbox out of jealousy. Oh, she's my girl!
1: And I can't get over the fact that Triplicate Girl makes fun of Cosmic Boy's new size by calling him Cosmic Might. Hey, in a universe where Bat Might exists, that is a very loaded insult. She sticks the matchbook into a pocket on her cape, and then takes the bazooka to blow up all three of them in turn. And then we cut to Saturn Girl and Superboy, who are still at the
0: Interplanetary Fair at the Life on Mini Worlds exhibit. Superboy can see how every size and shape of planet can explode. And before we get to the next part, we have our favorite Tootsie Roll ad. Tootsie Rolls go on and on after all the candy's gone. Chew, chewy, chew, chew, em. Oh, I'm, so- I'm-, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was a yummy noise. Mm-hmm.
1: We go back to another opening splash page which is all of the Legion girls celebrating their victory, and they are doing so
0: by doing a 1960s dance. That's such sinister dancing the universe has never seen. Also, the title of this story is Triumph of the the Superheroines. And only in the Silver Age is that a foreboding title. Right? No! So... We cut back to Superboy
1: and Saturn Girl, and again we get a diabolical thought bubble with Saturn Girl thinking, I'll disarm him with romance, and then whammo!
0: What all women are secretly thinking. She asks Superboy to kiss
1: her, and before he does, she picks up a trouble with her super thought powers, and Superboy rushes off to save uh, what look like two army men. Running away from a cave and a giant rock dog thing? That's also a robot? Yeah, like, it looks like a rock, but Superboy calls it a robot.
0: Like, it it has the body of an elephant, but with toes. And the head is of a panther, but it has, like, African neck rings on it. So this might be racist, Cory. I don't know. <laughs> and uh what's inside the robot? No, no. I thought we were... No, no. Surprise, Kryptonite! Ah! Will we never be rid of you?
1: No, not, not until at least the Bronze Age. So, inside the lead robot was a giant brick of green Kryptonite, and Saturn Girl is just going to leave Superboy there to die slowly. And she returns and blows up his statue with the bazooka. And then we cut to our favorite gal as she is wooing Chameleon Boy, who's coming
0: on a little strong. Oh, come on. Don't you want a kiss from an antenna boy like me? No means no, Cam. No means no. But she tells him that
1: if he does a certain impossible test, he can have the kiss. And her trick is to have Chameleon Boy change into a phantom. And at that moment, as he... Turns himself into a phantom. She sprays him with Cancelite spray that she invented. And he can no longer turn back.
0: Oh, God, it's prom all over again.
1: And Supergirl don't need no stinking bazooka. <laughs> she just flies over to Chameleon Boy's statue and just decks it. Ha
0: <laughs> ha! No more Chameleon Boy!
1: And then we cut to Phantom Girl with Star Boy, And they are on Asteroid ZYX.
0: That's a made-up name.
1: And they are about to make out as a deadly plant floats towards them. And you want to describe this plant, Jamie?
0: It's like... Remember the TV movie version of the Langoliers? It's like that, but with a toupee on. See,
1: I was going to describe it as an orange with a toupee that has the
0: tongue sticking out of the toupee it's like it's like a flying butthole that somebody spilled jello on top of so we find out
1: that this plant thing has a name and it is guampi
0: trigoceras limpodiari it's like a testicle that somebody tried to put lipstick on as a joke, but then the person who was asleep, like, woke up and they were like, oh, and then they knocked over, like, uh, some kind of Mountain Dew, some kind of soft drink, something from the 90s.
1: Jamie, no. Uh We find out that when it gets fully ripe, it explodes into a shower of death pollen. So Phantom Girl turns herself into her phantom form, and tells Starboy to make himself super heavy so that he sinks into the ground. He does. The plant explodes, and that is when Phantom Girl tells Starboy that she is leaving him in the hole that he dug. No! So she returns to the clubhouse, blows up his statue, and then we get a transmission from... Queen Azura,
0: the ruler of the planet Femnaz. (sighs) F-E-M-N-A-Z. Corey, is this comic where the word Feminazi comes from? Is the Legion of Superheroes responsible? Actually, it looks like Rush Limbaugh
1: attributed it to a writer back in the 1990s, so
0: maybe... This is assuming that uh, Mort Weisinger did not become Rush Limbaugh in the 90s, which has been a very popular theory in conspiracy circles. Like, I guess Rush Limbaugh is the one most attribute to
1: popularizing the term. So thanks for that, Rush. Ah, oh, good for him. Hey, wait. So it turns out that the women of the planet Femnos hate men because of of course they do and have hypnotized the legion women to destroy the men of the legion so that they can have it to themselves fair enough but it turns out that the leaders of the planet femnaz have realized that they have made a grave error because apparently the men on their planet were peaceful and pacifistic well the women were violent and cruel and they banished all their men
0: Uh, Silly females and their religious freedoms and desire to govern themselves. Um, they also they
1: also fired rockets at their moon nightly as prayers but after the men were banished it turns out that the men were right that the
0: prayer rockets that they fired at the moon blew it in two. (laughs) (laughs) My god, this is what Rush has been trying to save us from all along.
1: So it turns out though that the men that Saturn Girl, sent to explore space for a month, um, wound up putting the moon back together and saving the planet knots And then they return the men to the planet, and the women see the error of their ways and undo their hypnosis of the Legion Girls. So the Legion Girls go and save all the boys that they abandoned to die. And the last panel, we get
0: a thought bubble from Element Lad. ha. Uh. Too bad the girls weren't on the level about those romances. But who knows what the future may bring. Men. The future brings men, Element Lad. (laughs) Corey, this story is the most sexist thing I have ever seen, and I've hosted 16 episodes of Supergirl Power Hour. Just wait, Jamie. We have more coming up. (laughs) I just love what a specific 60s dude thing that is, too. Uh, You think that guys around that time just came home from work and were like, Man, I really did put the moon back together today, didn't I? Alright, so that
1: leads us to our next story, which is from Action Comics 319. Uh, It also came out in November of 64 by Leo Dorfman and Jim Mooney. and. It is entitled The Super super Cheat. It is another one of Kara's college adventures.
0: Like fun around the orphanage, but with crippling debt. Now, now, this was the 60s,
1: Jamie. They they didn't have the crippling student loans that we do today. They could afford houses after college.
0: (laughs) Ha, ha, oh. But more on that in our Reaganomics episode.
1: Uh, so anyway... (sighs) Uh, The opening splash is Supergirl, er, well, Linda Danvers' arch-rival Donna commanding the, the men of her father's science plant to do her science homework for her. No! This is like a haunted house of white privilege. So, the story proper opens with Supergirl returning to Stanhope College by going through the giant chimney that leads to her secret entrance to her dorm room.
0: Hey, what is this corpse in a Spider-Man costume doing here?
1: Everybody is gossiping about Linda Danvers and her friendship with Supergirl, and also gossiping about how Linda Danvers took down Donna Storm a peg. <laughs> and we get a flashback to the last issue of Action Comics, which involves Supergirl getting into a sorority by way of playing with Super Horse.
0: Ah, the many, many times she's had to play with Super Horse to get what she wants.
1: The other students are all studying for their math homework, and Donna ditches them because she goes home and uses a super electronic computer that her father gave her.
0: Ah, for the days when students actually had to do schoolwork instead of using their electronic computers to do the work for them. America's changed, Corey.
1: Yeah, imagine thinking that using a computer is cheating. So Linda uses her x-ray vision to see that Linda is using her computer while everyone else is using paper and pencil, but she can't tell anybody because it would give away her secret identity. We cut to the next day in chemistry, uh, where they are talking about how to make plants grow and dot, or as everyone else is studying again, Donna ditches them and Linda sees that she is driving to the Storm Plastics Company, which her father owns. And that's where we get the scene from the opening splash with Donna telling all these scientists to do her homework for her. She turns in her paper, and it's the best of all of them, because of course it is. It was done by people who have actually graduated with, like, PhDs in science. These are the men that gave us the atomic bomb. We cut to the dean's office, where the chemistry professor mentions that her paper mentions experimental chemicals still unknown to the public. And he's like, how does she know? And the dean is like, well, I wish we could suspend her for cheating,
0: but her father donated $100,000, so we can't. So one thing about college life that hasn't changed all these years? Right. We cut to... Donna's
1: dorm room, where it looks like Donna is actually studying for her mythology assignment. No. Where she's learning about the sorcerers of ancient times, Cersei and Medusa, which Medusa wasn't a sorcerer, but okay, Leo. (laughs) Like, Medusa was cursed for saying no to sex with Poseidon.
0: History's written by the winners, Corey.
1: So... Donna, the next day, recites that medieval days, Merlin was the chief magician in King Arthur's court, which, come on now, that's not actual history. It, it is in the DC universe, Corey. <laughs> yeah, I guess. That,
0: that, that's a weird thought. In pretty much every comic book universe, King Arthur is history.
1: Right, yeah, you're right. So, Linda is suspicious because Donna did her assignment Perfectly, And it turns out it's because Donna is fiddling with her earrings, because it turns out that Donna recorded herself reading her book last night, and the earrings are tiny little recording devices
0: that are playing back her reading the book. I'm gonna be honest, at this point, I'd say Donna's cheat game is so advanced she deserves the good grades. Like, that's more <laughs> I, impressive than actually doing the work. Right? This is why every college should have its own Slytherin. We have to find a place for these kids.
1: So, Linda is mad because she could easily cheat as Supergirl and doesn't. So the next day, they're on a geology field trip, and they find rock specimens. And it turns out Donna brought gold ore with her, because the goal is to find the most valuable mineral possible. Thank
0: God my dad had that cachet of unobtainium.
1: So Donna finds, and I, I, you can't see me, listeners, but I did finger quotes there. Quack, quack. So Linda is fed up and decides that if Donna can cheat, she can cheat for everybody else. And she, she does what Supergirl does best in the Silver Age and burrows through the earth. <laughs> so she burrows into the earth to grab a chunk of coal and compress it with her super strength, into a handful of small diamonds. <laughs> and she just scatters them all over so that the rest of the class finds diamonds.
0: Here, yeah, you get a diamond! You get a diamond! Oh! So that Donna's gold ore is worthless. And after they peel the diamonds from Timmy's face, she gets an A. The next day, they are studying
1: biology for a project on rare fish. And she had her daddy buy her expensive books so she could cut out
0: pictures for her product. And that is the definition of evil. Buying a book just to deface it.
1: One of the boys in the class is struggling about how this isn't fair. And Linda decides to call in her friend Supergirl. So Linda disappears,
0: and Supergirl shows up, because that's not suspicious at all. Oh, Supergirl, did you see? Linda was just here. Oh, uh, I'll, I'll go get her. Linda, you just missed Supergirl. (sighs) I'll go get her. So Supergirl shows up with a giant
1: glass classroom. (laughs) And she takes the class on a
0: field trip to Atlantis. Where she shows off all of her pretty mermaid friends. (laughs) Who's showing off their privilege now?
1: And also, um, an (laughs) (laughs) elasto-fish? which can squeeze through holes in coral because that's an important thing to do. And the glassfish, which has transparent skin so you can see its
0: skeleton. I think they're just in a ride she stole from Disneyland. And these are all just CGI fish. They're still in the parking lot right now.
1: So Donna turns in her beautifully illustrated paper and then the rest of the class turn in their reports on their undersea field trip. So Donna gets the worst grade in class.
0: I'm going to be honest, at this point, Donna's the one being bullied. I'm sorry.
1: So the next class is history, and they each have to prepare an essay on an event in our country's history. And so Donna gets the idea that she will fly to Hollywood, where they're making a film about the Battle of New Orleans.
0: Oh, Donna's going to be so embarrassed when she turns in a paper where every soldier is sexy and white. So, the
1: director tells her that everything in this film is authentic, down to the last musket and bayonet used by Andrew Jackson and his men. Remember when
0: Andrew Jackson was the most racist president
1: that we ever had?
0: Oh, oh, that's a future the Legion couldn't have predicted. (sighs)
1: Supergirl shows up back to campus. And Linda told her that uh, Donna was going to use her wealth and privilege again, so Linda's there to help them all with their paper by using a time travel device that Superman invented. (laughs) So, again, Supergirl takes them all on a field trip to something that is very popular right now, and that is the assassination of Alexander Hamilton by one Aaron Burr. Sir? So they witness the murder of Hamilton,
0: but Supergirl tries to change history by trying to save Alexander Hamilton? Does she not know this is how you create the sound of thunder? It turns out that when she tried to stop the bullet, she
1: actually caused Hamilton's death because the bullet broke in two and half of it ricocheted into Hamilton.
0: So is the implication here that it's a bootstrap paradox and Supergirl has always gone back in time and killed Alexander Hamilton. (laughs) That is my theory. The
1: rest of the students return and turn in very accurate reports on the Burr-Hamilton duel, and it turns out that Donna turned in a paper on the Battle of New Orleans and got failed because the paper was inaccurate because most American soldiers actually used rifles in that battle, not muskets and bayonets, and that director just didn't know what he was talking about.
0: God damn you, Roland
1: Emmerich. So Donna is angry at Supergirl at this point, and she decides to take it out on Supergirl's friend Linda. And she's going to do it at the pep rally, and she is going to frame Linda for the theft ...of valuable specimens from the College Mineral Collection. They're minerals, Marie.
0: (laughs) Never gets old.
1: And sure enough, in Linda's dresser drawer... ...are all of the stolen diamonds and gold ore. Because of course the school kept all the diamonds and gold ore... ...that got found on the field trip. Linda gets expelled... ...and everyone believes Linda is not guilty... ...except Donna. But Donna's off-gloating... ...and is still wearing her secret recorder earrings. I mean, they look so fashionable, it's a crime not to. As Linda's getting expelled, she confronts Donna, all alone, with no one else in the room, and accuses Donna of framing her. And Donna actually, to her credit, admits to doing it. And it turns out that Donna's confession was
0: broadcast throughout the PA system. Thank God she was just talking about her many schemes and not, like, her personal life or anything. And even though Donna's
1: father donates thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to the university, she gets expelled. And it turns out that Supergirl helped Linda by bringing Shrinking Violet back from the future and having her turn on Donna's recorder earrings and program them to transmit to the
0: PA system. That is just showing off, Supergirl. You can't just rewire them yourself. You have to use your small friends from the future. Uh, that brings us to the next story,
1: uh, which is in Action Comics number 320, uh, cover date January 1965, written by Dorfman, art by Mooney, and the story
0: title is "The Man Who Wrote Supergirl's Heart." heart, heart. And our story begins, as it so often does, with a featureless red spaceship hovering over the planet Earth. <laughs> and uh almost as on the
1: nose as the planet from the first story that we had is the name of the antagonist in this story. What is his name, Jamie?
0: Lord Bronar.
1: <gasps> so, Lord Bronar and his... Lex Luthor-looking lackey. The
0: Archduke of Abs, I assume.
1: Are hovering over Earth and packing survival kits for surviving on planet Earth. With Earth clothes, Earth money, Earth food, and weapons. Which, you know, none of those things are very specific to the areas you're going to. Like, you have to know which kind of money and which kind of clothes you need.
0: It's okay, Bronar only wears tank tops. Gotta show those stilts off And also in
1: their survival kits Is a special drug That will send them into suspended animation For a hundred years To avoid questioning if they are captured So they use a psycholocator To find Supergirl And they turn their ship invisible And park in the mountains And as they track Supergirl They also study her measurements
0: You know for Science Science Um, Anyway, check my facts.
1: So, not only do they get their measure, or her measurements, they also get her likes and dislikes, and they watch as she is watching primitive Earth television, and they record her subconscious mind, they also see her visit the Bottle City of Candor where her parents are, and they use their Supergirl, or Supercomputer to get a personality analysis
0: of Supergirl. My god, those algorithms, okay, Cupid uses really are complex.
1: You joke, but that is exactly what they are using the algorithms for. They are constructing Supergirl's most ideal man. They use a super 3D printer to make a blonde-haired, blue-eyed hunk, but it is just a mold. So Bronar puts a bunch of protoplasm into the mold and Allows it to get struck by lightning, which brings Sir humps to life.
0: <laughs> I just like how they have all of this villain science at their disposal, but they're still at the whim of God when it comes to creating life. No, oh, it has to be a little bit spooky. So says Brunar.
1: So he is wearing rugged-type clothing that Supergirl prefers.
0: I'm right with you there, girlfriend.
1: And they send him to meet Supergirl. After giving him a name
0: of Randor. Yeah! Randor the Randy. Son of Brunor! Can this just be a comic in itself? Just three huge guys, one of them not wearing pants, just hanging out in a lab? And so they send
1: Randor to a nearby cave where they trap him in a cave-in. So Supergirl has to rescue him. And it turns out that as she's rescuing him, what turns out to be there, Jamie?
0: (gasps) Surprise kryptonite. I should have known.
1: For the second time this episode. So it turns out Randor saves Supergirl instead of the other way around.
0: Galloping galaxies, but he's handsome. He has my heart doing flip-flops. Oh, how gallant and charming. He has everything I ever admired in a man. And he seems to admire me as a girl.
1: Uh, wink wink. Linda is completely love-struck. Like, later that day in college, she ignores her professor twice, and like she goes home and like she has a love-struck look in her eye. Like, everything about it is she has fallen head over heels over this this dude she met in a cave. Who knew it was that easy to get into Supergirl's pants? So the next week they are Talking about the winter festival at Mount Frost, because that's an on the nose name for a mountain. Mount
0: Cold.
1: As they are watching all the winter sports, they see a figure skater who is devilishly handsome.
0: And it is, of course, Randor. The amazing Randor and his spectacular ice skating talents. And Randor starts hitting on Linda,
1: because he plays both sides of the field. Hoo <laughs> hoo. Element lad. But it turns out he was able to deduce that Linda Danvers and Supergirl are one and the same. Because he admits that he is
0: an alien from the distant planet Kalix. <laughs> okay, take note, Superman. Whenever he revealed this information to her, he was nice about it. There was no, ha ha, stupid Kara. Even a child could predict your identity. And that's because he's the perfect man.
1: He is the the prince of the planet, Calyx. And he left his planet to come to Earth just because he was admiring Supergirl from afar. And so we we cut back to Bronar and Skull. Hey, Skull, spot me! For science. They watch as the two of them make out and then head to the observatory to look at planet Calyx.
0: God, Supergirl is so observed in these stories.
1: And he invites her to come to Kalix with him. And Supergirl agrees, so they fly off towards Calix, And they meet the king of Kalix, who is actually Bronar! Wearing his signature, not pants. It's true, he is wearing short shorts. So Randor has proposed to Supergirl, and he asks her to sit on the other throne, and immediately has her powers drained from her because the throne is a secret power-draining device.
0: And with that, Supergirl becomes the first person to ever get catfished. And
1: so her powers have been transferred to Bronar! Ugh! (laughs) And Randor's secret is revealed that he is actually an android made of protoplasm and it turns out that... Bronar and Skull are the last remnants of a race of
0: supervillains. Well, specifically, it says a race of scientific villains. Like, the whole species just use science for criminal purposes. Like, no, none of them were accountants or farmers or anything. I think that's why they died out. And then Bronar stabs Randor through the chest with a sword.
1: Ah, not so randy now, are you? And it looks like
0: Bronar has changed out of short shorts and into a skirt. <laughs> like it did it just form around him <laughs> when he got powers.
1: <laughs> so Supergirl threatens them with Superman, and Bronar's like, what's he gonna do? I have all of his powers, and then I'll steal him and give them to Skull. Oh no, he's right, Superman would sit down. Skull is also wearing short shorts, but even shorter short sh- shorts. Also, I like to think that this is the, the, the father of the Power Rangers, Bulk and Skull.
0: <laughs> they were extraterrestrial the whole time.
1: Yes. Randor takes Supergirl away, and she tells him that he broke her heart, and he's like, I am an android, but I also have
0: feelings.
1: Ah. Uh. And Randor uses surprise kryptonite.
0: Wow, the tables have turned.
1: On Bronar to force him to sit in the other throne while Supergirl sits
0: in the, the good throne and gets her powers back. Romantic disappointments. Sitting. More sitting. Classic Supergirl action. And it turns out that Bronar was his own undoing
1: because when he stabbed Randor in the chest, it turned off his control circuits. Which made him realize that he really did love Supergirl. It's always a mistake
0: to put that near the irony circuits.
1: Yes. Skull shoots Supergirl with a laser beam, and it bounces off of her and hits Randor, and Randor's bottom half melts. No! Supergirl immediately takes care of the two science villains by conking their heads together like two ripe melons.
0: (laughs) They're dead now.
1: And as Randor melts into a puddle, he admits that he loves Kara. And as the rest of him him melts, she holds his head in her hands and kisses him on the
0: forehead. No, He was the perfect man, built by algorithm, but forged by her love. And she leaves these villains on a
1: planet full of androids because they populated the planet Calyx with an entire population of androids just to pull this off.
0: Hey, Bronar goes big or he goes home. And he never goes home.
1: So Supergirl, on her way home, comes across an asteroid and uses her supervision to carve the face of Randor into it so that it is forever memorialized.
0: Oh, it's like the end of Man on the Moon. That brings us to our next story. The The Enemy Supergirl. Supergirl.
1: Uh, which is where our cold open was from. It is Action Comics number 321, February of 1965. Written by Dorfman, art by Mooney, like, you know, most of these stories nowadays. And it opens with Linda Danvers giving blood. How, you might ask? Well, it turns out that she has a tiny piece of red kryptonite in a locket that she made that will make her non-super for an hour. So she makes the upper half of her non-super. Oh, yeah. It only makes her non-super from the waist up. Well, that's all you need, Corey. Her feet still have superpower. (laughs) As Linda's donating blood, it turns out that there is a student that got in an auto crash. And Linda realizes that if she had not given up all of her superpowers to donate blood, she could have saved
0: her. And this is Linda's Peter Parker moment. This just goes to show you, you always have to be full superhero. From the waist up, from the waist down.
1: But it turns out that Linda saves her anyway, because it was Linda's blood that was given to her. We cut to a bank robbery, and Linda can't duck away because she's holding a fish tank. As you do. But as Linda is watching with fish tank in hand, Supergirl shows up and blocks the police from chasing after the
0: bank robbers, and then
1: flies the bank robbers to
0: safety. And Supergirl, on the whole, is not that phased by this. It's like, maybe I'll follow oh, she's gone. Anyway, trying to check up on Debbie. So Debbie is bandaged
1: up, laying in a hospital bed, as Linda brings her flowers and candy and a book.
0: The only things you need whenever recovering from a severe brain injury.
1: Linda remembers, because of a newspaper headline, that she is supposed to give a lecture at the prison. So Supergirl is lecturing the criminals, but it turns out that she is telling them that crime does pay, and breaks them
0: all out of prison. No, 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 I stand by this. Those criminals need to believe in themselves, or else they're just going to wind up right back in prison. Then... The real
1: Supergirl digs a moat around the prison to keep all the criminals from actually escaping. So Supergirl heads to the Fortress of Solitude, and she's trying to figure out who is masquerading as her. So first she checks the Phantom Zone, where she sees me, because that's where I was for the last year. Just sipping on some tequila. But it turns out all the female villains of the Phantom Zone are still there. Which, there are quite a few female villains, that we never really see.
0: Diversity.
1: And then the standard male villains, including General Zod and our favorite, Jaxer. He? He. Tell her that they know who's masquerading as her, but they won't tell her. Ha
0: ha 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 ha. Okay, am I the only one disturbed by just how much time the Phantom Zone criminals spend watching a teenage girl?
1: No, no you're not, Jamie. You're not. Then she contacts the bottle city of Candor. But the mayor tells her that nobody has left that would do such a thing. So Kara is bamboozled, and she flies back home and is hailed by her father. And he reminds her that it is her mother's birthday, but it turns out that he hailed the fake Supergirl. No! Fake Supergirl gives Edna Danvers a gift as real Supergirl is flying home because she is late for the birthday
0: dinner. And and Supergirl arrives just in time to be told that she has been replaced. And instead of, like, challenging her or anything, Supergirl just turns around and flies back into her escape hatch. Like, oh, I guess they're your family now.
1: So Linda goes and visits Debbie again. And Debbie is still laid up in the hospital, but she finished the book that Linda left her. So the next morning, on her giant chalkboard, Edna Danvers has written memos Thursday, Midvale, 4 p.m., which is when Supergirl is supposed to meet Comet the Super Horse at Midvale Orphanage. And fake Supergirl says that she is going to ruin Supergirl's reputation. And she does so by tarring and feathering and tying tin cans to Comet's tail. and. Throwing custard pies at him because animal abuse is the lowest level she could stoop to.
0: It's not like Supergirl to pull a mean stunt like that. Why is she trying to make me look ridiculous? Says the horse in the cape.
1: And not only is it animal abuse, but it's also child abuse because she is traumatizing these children. <laughs>
0: the panel of her just whipping pies. At Comet, while children around her cry, is the funniest thing in the world. Animal abuse is never funny, Jamie. It is when there's a cape on the horse, Cory.
1: So the real Supergirl sees Comet flying away, covered in tar, with tin cans tied to his tail, and pie slathered all over him. Supergirl apologizes and explains, and Comet responds, If I had known she was a fake... I could have used my telepathic powers to probe her mind and uncover her
0: origin. Oh, way to be on that shit, Super Horse. So Supergirl tries to spin this as <laughs> an example to the children of what not to do to animals. She gaslights an orphanage. God, how low will you go to defeat your enemies, Supergirl? You know, I'm, I'm beginning to like the other Supergirl better. She's at least honest. So
1: Comet tells Supergirl that his friend Cersei has a book of magic spells <laughs> that might do the trick. And I just want to stress his friend Cersei, because that will c- become important very soon. Lindo shows up to the hospital with another gift for Debbie, and it is a gift that keeps giving this episode.
0: No, not re-gifted,
1: Kryptonite! And it turns out, because of the blood transfusion, Debbie has all of Supergirl's powers. She got she-hulked? And because of the brain damage, she went evil.
0: (laughs) And we get, like, this montage of her taking over the underworld, complete with this, like, Neil Adams-style Batman cover of a giant Supergirl lifting up a bank with one hand, and slamming open the wall of a prison on me with the other. It's pretty awesome.
1: And then she would return to the hospital to bandage herself up. And it was only when she met Fred Danvers that she learned Supergirl's secret identity.
0: So Supergirl's been defeated up until this point by a brain-damaged teenager who was just winging it the whole time.
1: So Supergirl uses her super knowledge... To inform Debbie that experiments have shown that superpowers acquired through blood transfusions only last a short time. I want to know what kind of experiments they are doing at the Fortress of
0: Solitude. Supergirl! Supergirl! Don't be afraid of the needle, honey, come on. I have to know! And that is
1: when Debbie blacks out and goes unconscious, and Linda calls for the doctor, and... It turns out that when Debbie wakes up she doesn't remember
0: any of the last couple of days, she thinks it's all a dream. It's this horrible, horrible dream. I I straightened out the leaning tower of Pisa, and then I I I, I wish all of a sudden I was just beating Richard Pryor. <sighs> that is a deep cut. So Linda gaslights her again
1: into believing that it was all a dream. what a terrible web
0: Supergirl weaves.
1: That is the end of our last story. But before we go, we do have a couple of special things for you. The first of which is our honored tradition of super female. And this month's letter came to us via Ned Snively from Winter Haven, Florida.
0: That's a made up name.
1: Dear editor, the menace of Supergirl's mother makes me wish you had never brought Zorel and Allura back into your stories. It adds more imagination to your stories to have them dead. So far, all these have escaped from Krypton. Superman, Supergirl, Krypto, Supermonkey, the Phantom Zone criminals, the residents of Kandor, and the Sky Capsule criminals, plus Zor-El and Allura. Just who did perish when Krypton exploded, besides Jor-El, Lara, and Lila Lorel. Sincerely yours, Ned Snidely from Winterhaven, Florida. Uh, not...
0: We'll have to admit that there are a good many survivors of Krypton, and you didn't even mention Dev M and his parents, whom we featured in Adventure Comics. However, these are only a tiny handful of the many billions who lived on Superman's homeworld. I swear to friggin' God, a couple of people survived. People are saying, oh, there was no genocide. Do they know what I saw in Korea? That's actual death. They want to come here writing to me about fictional characters. I think it's because I work at a comic book company, that life saw the continuity and people dying in the Superman comics, did they come back? They know the Nazis existed, right?
1: Oh, Mort! I've got bad news. Huh? The Nazis come back in
0: 2016. Is it because of comic books? No, but they do hate comic books. Okay, I, I at least did one thing right, thank
1: God. So, along with the super special female that we just read, we do have some email to address of our own during our absence. Recently, we got an email from a fan in Australia, and... She wrote to us on our Facebook page and then sent us an email because she was wondering if the Give Supergirl a Modern Haircut competition was still going. AJ sent us a wonderful undercut for Supergirl. You got your wish. Yes, where the S symbol is shaved into the undercut, and that is just a fantastic idea and we love it.
0: And it's great for her secret identity, because all she has to do to change back into Linda is just comb it the other way. AJ, we
1: are happy to inform you that you have indeed won our contest. So if you want to email us with your address, we will get the prize out to you as soon as we
0: can, hopefully within the next month or so. So thank you very much for being clearly our biggest fan, AJ. Your letter was truly wonderful. It really made our month.
1: It really did, and it also helped to convince us
0: to get back on
1: the horse and record again so thank you for that you you brought me out of the phantom zone
0: you believed in cory enough for her to regain physical form
1: but that is what we have for you this month where can they find you on the internet jamie
0: you can find me on twitter at mondofunky and also at graphic novelism and at box office pulp my other two podcasts and you can find me at Corey Marie 21 You might also
1: have run into me at San Diego Comic-Con. I don't know if we're going to get this published before the convention. I doubt it. I have a very busy schedule. I'm covering the event for Women Write About Comics, which is where you can find my writing. You can also find a little bit of writing at scene.com where I talk about uh, movies and television that I like. And you can find a tiny smidgen of writing if you subscribe to Comics MNT, the monthly newsletter uh, that is put out by several comics journalists. In the June issue, I wrote a review of Brian Michael Bendis' first two issues of Man of Steel, the new series that he is using to jumpstart his Superman run. And you can find our podcast at sgirl power hour on twitter on facebook at supergirl
0: power hour you can also email us at supergirl power hour at gmail.com please send us love we need it i'm fading into the phantom zone as we speak ah oh, crap i'm gonna have to get the phantom zone projector to get you out this time <sighs> well as cory reconstitutes my physical form check out this show and all the other fine ppn shows at pulppodcastnetwork.wordpress.com. And until next time, I have been Jamie. I have been Curry. Superman Return! Yeah! One, two, three, Bruno! <laughs> Baby! Sassy! Take a place! This has been a Pulp Podcast production.
1: There are a lot of issues that plague the comic book community at large that are really never kind of addressed. I think what the three of us really wanted to do was do a show where we explore
0: all of that. And by the very hand of Odin himself... We now have the seed of this podcast. Marvel's Odin. Does DC have an Odin? Actually, they must. I don't,
1: th- I don't her- think it- so. Let's go with, like, image Odin.
0: Well, look, look, DC has Hercules, so he has to have something. Who doesn't have Hercules? Spawn? He has Angela, who's, like, Lady Hercules.
1: Yeah, she is kind of Hercules like. Can we still legally say Spawn has Angela? Have I just gotten us in trouble?
0: Well, now that she's as guardian, I think it's, it's fair play, so.
1: Hey, she's not technically as guardian.
0: Yeah, but she's Asgard's yeah. assassin.
1: And she has like a weird new haircut. Have you seen Angela's new redesign?
0: Look, we can get all into the
1: pathos of Angela on another episode. That was just a little taste of graphic novels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> May I ask what you hope to achieve with this podcast? Those directors created these movies, they filled them with subtext, motifs, messages. They deserve to be discussed. The answer is irrelevant. Movies are simply entertainment. Nothing more. Does it matter what they mean? Yes. Yes, it does. I don't understand. Well, Cody, I guess that's because I'm a human being. And you're a robot. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's quite all right. Box office pulp. Big things have small beginnings. Hands up!